Media Insultants. A good morning to Keith Samuels, my co-host. We got kind of a big last-minute bulletin that just came in today, which is going to change the whole way we're going to put this show together today. But if we're not flexible at Media Insultants, I don't know who is. So, Keith, good morning, and let's talk about the Alpha Broadcasting bankruptcy or the Alpha Media bankruptcy that was filed first thing this morning. Yikes, big news. I was getting stretched out at physical therapy, so I'm really loose for today's show and flexible because we can pivot. We can pivot subjects now. I'm, I'm stunned. I didn't know. I'm, I shouldn't be stunned that a, broad, a radio company is, is filing bankrupt for bankruptcy protection. That shouldn't be a shock. We're just kind of shocked, I think, this morning that it was alpha. You know, it's not a, not a badly run company. None of them really are. But, you know, I guess the, the, the hangover of buying those digity stations back in 2016 and the, the COVID lockdown, devastating local broadcast revenue, advertising revenue has really, really put them in a bad spot. And they, they, they must have really, really needed to do this right now. Well, you're right. They are a well-run group. Uh, Bob Profit, I think, has done a good job of running really a pretty disparate group. I mean, they have stations and markets as small as three or 4,000 people, and then they also have major market stations like Portland and San Jose. They do well in San Antonio, but they also are burdened in, you know, they've got a couple hundred radio stations, but most of them are in really small markets where, you know, the revenue is tough to generate. And as you and I both know, the work's the same. doesn't matter whether you're in San Francisco or San Burpee. It's all about the same in terms of day-to-day work and hiring and HR and all the things we go through in radio. So their bankruptcy, though, was not only precipitated by the purchase of Digity, which was what they, they wanted Digity to have a certain critical mass so they thought they could take the company public, which did not work. And then on top of that, they sold off all of their transmitter sites to, I think it was American Tower, And the problem there is basically in a lot of markets, they're just running the stations to pay the tower rents. And it's a real problem for them in a lot of those stations. So what happened, of course, is when COVID hit and some of these markets are off 20, 30, 40%, there's just no cash flow to pay for anything. Well, and I I think uh, reading in the trades this morning too, there was an analysis from, um, I think it was BIA uh, talking about how, it might've been Burrell, but anyway, talking about the behaviors of small businesses small and medium-sized businesses, SMBs, and how they've held back on making commitments. They're only buying short-term. They're not buying long-term. If they're committing at all, they're holding back. They want to spend, and they want to spend more than they spent this last year, which wasn't anything, but that's encouragement. But they're just not, they're just, they're just really, really cautious. They don't know what's going to get shut down. They don't know what's going to get open. They don't know when that's going to happen. You know, if you're, if you're relying on a lot of local business, like I'm, I'm assuming Alpha was, not necessarily a lot of national or a lot of network or a lot of major, major top 10 market revenue, boy, they're in a tough spot because we know how difficult it is to generate that, that local direct business and even regional business. And they're, they're, I, I'm shocked but not surprised? Or am I surprised, not shocked? In any case, somebody's falling over. It happened to be Alpha. And I think this really doesn't bode well for some of those similar sized operators. I think the uh, other thing that underlies all of this is that it's going to be interesting to what comes out of it. A vast majority of chapter 11 filings actually convert to chapter seven. They become too expensive. And my question is, Mm -hmm. is Alpha really big enough to pull this out? Very expensive to do a Chapter 11. The irony of a a Chapter 11 is suddenly you're paying everybody's bills. Mm -hmm. You're paying for your lawyers. You're paying for your creditor's lawyers. 
and the consultants and the accountants and the tax people who come swooping in, you pay for it all. And so it gets to be very expensive. So most 11s, probably 70% of them turn to a chapter seven, which is a complete liquidation. Then the question is, how do you sell the assets in a company like a radio group in a market like this? I mean, it could be a great opportunity for somebody, you know, might yeah. be a town hey, square. We can, we can get back in the business. You know, I've, I've got 50 bucks. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah, you kind of, I was going to ask you the question, like, what's the upside of this chapter 11 filing? If it's that expensive, what, what are they hoping to get out of that? Well, debt reduction, you know, from the purchase, you know, obviously they've burned through the money they made off the sale of WRMF in, in, in West Palm, an extraordinary radio station, but they burned through that pretty well. You know, they burned through their tower revenue. Clearly, uh, they're upside down. And so, um, you know, this may be the first step before they do go to seven. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it develops. Uh, they claim to have $20 million in debtor in possession financing for the bankruptcy. And of course, that money goes right to the very front of the line. They're the first mm -hmm. guys who get paid when any money comes in. So, it, and, and you know, I, I, I do want to say I feel bad for the people at Alpha. They're a good group. They're well-run. They're really radio people. They really like local live radio. They serve their communities well. And it's really sad to see another radio group take a hit. And the truth is, all the radio groups, all the major radio groups have taken a hit now. IR, yeah. Cumulus, Alpha. You know, I mean, there are a couple, Beasley and, and Hubbard, who have not. But Beasley and Hubbard are about the same size as Alpha, but are not as leveraged and don't have as much debt. So I think right. they'll probably manage to make it through. And Hubbard has some TV money coming in too. So, oh, they do, they do, and and that that makes a little bit of difference. Do we have the pending death of ad-supported local media, Keith? I mean, are we getting to a point now where all media is going to be subscription-supported? I know you and I've, I've kind of batted back and forth on this, but I'm very concerned about ad-supported local media. And well, I am too. Uh, you know, that's that's where we've always worked is in ad-supported local media. And I think that, you know, it, it's it's awfully tempting and very trendy to say, you know, local radio is dead. You know, local television is dead. Ad-supported newspapers are dead. You know, it's it's no one dies. None of this stuff dies. And I'm quoting Mark Ritson here from Australia, and I'll get to my Australia picture later on. But, you know, Ritson talks about how we have this death wish in advertising, marketing, and media that, that you know, we love to kill things off, but nothing ever really dies. It just morphs. It just evolves. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, local media being all subscription, I don't see it ever, I don't see local ad-supported media ever dying. Will it be smaller? Will it be a little different? Perhaps. Will there be other ways to access it? There already are. So, you know, I think I think it'll still be there because I don't think, you know, uh, at some point we're all oversubscribed. You know, I, we're all we're all paying all this stuff and all these guys think they can automatically jack up your subscription price uh, and, and not even think about it, you know? And so at some point you're going to sit there and go, is Netflix worth that much? Or can I get enough stuff off of, you know, Disney plus and Hulu and, and Roku channel and all these other things. So I don't think it's dead. We do see, you know, there's a lot of media coverage about, um, all the big newspaper publishers setting aggressive, you know, digital subscription goals. And I think you were commenting in, in, in our, in our prep work about, Gannett setting a goal of 10 million paid subs. In the article, it said within five years. You know how many they have now? No. 
I don't. They have 1 million. So they're going to go in five years, they're going to 10x their uh, digital subscriber base. Well, good luck. You know, I think at some point, you know, people are going, uh, is that newspaper online worth what do you skip that? But newspapers have always had a subscriber med, uh, subscribe, subscription model, right? I mean, they've had two models. They've had the ad sales model and subscription model. Oh, maybe, and maybe a little bit of a third, which was the insert model. Now, that's part of the advertising function, but they were making a ton of dough off of freestanding inserts. All that stuff that came in your newspaper because your newspaper got to everybody. Now the newspaper doesn't get to everybody and they don't have any FSI business anymore. So that's crushed them. They don't have any classified anymore. That's crushed them. And so what do you do? Well, I still have this ad model. Let's ramp up a digital subscription model. And those digital subscriptions are a lot cheaper than the print subscriptions were and hope that they can build that up. And I don't know that they have built their local news brand up enough that they can drive the subscription model to the level they think they can. So well, you can say that about any of these uh, models. You know, iHeart has a subscription model. Yeah. And though they don't tie their subscription model to what I think is is going to be necessary for a subscription model to work and that's no ads. Right. You know, we're just we're just going to have to get rid of ads on one of the, on one of the streams, one of the content streams. They're they're trying it and Apple is now coming in with their new right podcast service. They're talking about adding that as a subscription service. And to your point, you know, the newspaper business has long been subscription. And, you know, the New York Times has done very, very well with their model, but they're, a, they're an exception. And they've been an exception probably because of the administration for the last four years. So all of that comes down to say, if you're a media market station in Madison, Wisconsin, you know, you're going to be able to support yourself on ads and an advertising revenue stream for the next 10 or 15 years. You, you better find a way because, you know, the subscription model is going to be a tough one to fight. Um, I know there's a lot of resistance to some of these papers paywalls. You know, it's really frustrating. You go and see an article on Google, you search on Google and that's a whole nother subject. And then you get to the Star Tribune in Minneapolis to read a story and, oops, you know, there's the paywall or you get four stories from the LA Times before you need to subscribe. And it's a real, you know, and it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Yahoo Sports. Forget it. You know, I love Bill Plaschke in the LA Times, but, you know, is it worth the trouble? Well, and, and there, there could be some, there could be some market for kind of an aggregator of these. Uh, Apple has kind of done that with Apple News, which mm-hmm. they don't pull off particularly well, but there's a possibility that you could have an aggregator for, you know, the local news content in a particular market it could come from four or five streams or four or five different sources. And those four or five different sources you just pay one fee for. I don't yeah, know. It's, well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I just think, I think we have to start looking at alternative ways of financing what we've been doing. And we all want to see a return to the days when, you know, we just, we got RFPs every day and we're spending most of the day getting out uh, veils and managing inventory. And, you know, it's just got to change. And particularly, you know, you see a market or you see a company like Alpha. One of the problems they have is those small medium markets, the Madison, Wisconsin's, the Dodgeville, Kansas, their local businesses are going away. They're being replaced by the the chains and the large big boxes, and COVID has put the rest of them, you know, on on life support. So let's, as as we often say, <laughs> let's let's wait and see. So Cumulus tells everybody, our talk show host, to shut up about the stolen election. They sent out a memo from the VP of content, a guy by the name of Brian Phillips. Right. 
saying that talent will be, con, con, will be terminated if they continue to do this. And those include guys like Mark Levin, who, who says, says he never got the memo, never got the memo. <laughs> That's the, the dog ate my homework. It's the equivalent of the dog ate my homework for today's generation. What, what's this about? I mean, can a network legitimately control the content of their network talk hosts? What do you think? Well, it's a lot harder in radio than it is if you're a national cable channel because you've got, you know, a, a, sm a much smaller number of hosts. But, you know, you've got guys, you know, on 400 radio stations, you know, speaking their mind. Brian has found out how difficult that is and how draconian that that actually became. And in fact, they've rescinded that memo. And the news comes out from Jerry Del Colliano today that the, the one suspended host at the, in Fresno is going to get his, you know, he's going to get reinstated. Now, I don't know if he's been neutered or not, but, you know, that's going to happen. You know, it's, uh, it's, this, it's this pendulum that we're seeing, this, 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 reaction, this reactionary cancel culture that, you know, takes shape almost instantly now. It, it hit Cumulus. They, you know, and whoever Brian Phillips is, I don't know him from Adam, but, you know, is suddenly saying, you know, look, guys, don't talk about this. And it's the biggest subject in America and they can't have another point of view than uh, than what Brian says or says you shouldn't talk about it at all. Uh, so it's a, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a he opened a can of worms and he's and he's having to deal with it. One of the things that we don't know is what the rating data behind that is. I mean, you know that uh, Nielsen provides data that is constant, ongoing in these PPM markets, and it's very feasible that they saw a correlation between a decline in audience, I mean, a rapid decline in audience, and hosts talking about a stolen election. So that may have been underlying their move to stop their talk show hosts from talking about it. I don't know. You know, you have, uh, he did this in real time. So he, he issued, the, issued this memo on January 6th, the afternoon of the, uh, the Capitol riots. So it was, you know, he didn't see any data from that day. You might've seen it earlier, but you know, you might have a company here that just says, look, you know, we, we don't want to support, you know, conservative talk anymore. And this is kind of a, maybe the tip their hand, but again, you know, not everybody can be NPR. So what are you going to do? It's, but, but I think it was ham handed. And I think, um, and I think they're, you know, they're paying the price in terms of this confused, almost negative PR. It's like, well, yeah, we get, we get the difficulty of this issue, but really? Well, I liked your word ham handed. I, there are a lot of other ways they could have handled this that would not have created the, the backlash that, uh, that's been created. You know, we talk in this media insultants, uh, our, our program each week, we talk about falling blades, selling local media, and it's just getting harder and harder. And so there's another shakeup at Westwood one. And you've got some background in this. You you know some of these players. What's well, your I was observation? in the, yeah, I was in the network space for a while, and you know, you looked up to Westwood One. I mean, they were the god. You know, there was Westwood One, and then Premier, and then I was in sports. It was ESPN and Fox Sports Radio through Premier and all that. It's interesting that that three years that you know they were clicking along. I mean, that, it's been a struggle in network for the last decade, really, but. About three years ago, a really good guy, Steve Shaw, retired. Steve's a longtime radio guy, longtime network guy, national guy. So he leaves, and they replace him with a guy named Brian Forbes from Cats. Well, Cats is the leading national rep firm. Cats has all the relationships. Cats is massive, and uh, I'm sure Brian's a great guy. And and you know, I have all the respect in the world for the Cats guys from Mark Gray on down. He lasted three years. So all of a sudden, Brian's out. They promote a guy, they promote a couple of people to take his job. So it's kind of like 
did, was that for the same amount of money? Are they getting a big raise? Are they cutting back? Are they consolidating the gigs? You know, this is, this is again, one of these things that I'm going to keep an eye on is like, you know, how does this shake out? Been a lot of turnover in the network sales side, both at Premier and, and Westwood One over the last five or six years uh, that I've tracked. And it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But, you know, there is absolutely no rate integrity in network anymore. <laughs> There's a lot of inventory to sell. There's a lot of stations that are like the koi fish at the koi pond, you know, at the sushi bar restaurant where, you know, they're waiting for the feeding time with their mouths wide open, waiting for those network nibbles to come in. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's a struggle, you know, it's a, they've been affected just like everybody else. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but. That's a uh, great mental image. And, and, uh, I guess the question I'd ask you is, are these impossible jobs next to impossible? I don't think they are impossible. As long as there's budgets being spent, as long as horizons buying for Geico and, you know, people for, you know, buying progressive and there's the auto parts guys and, you know, there are these, you know, there's, there's a whole network subculture in agency media buying and, and, and obviously ad sales on the other side. So that's still very much alive and it's a really efficient way to reach a lot of people, you know, shrinking budgets, tough shares, and you got a lot of expense, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not an easy uh, road to hoe. Difficult to differentiate too compared to what you used to do. All right, let's not ignore TV and this uh, edition of um, Media Insultant. Quick note uh, that the National Desk has launched. It's a, at least they say it's launched. I've yet to see it. It's supposed to be on Stir and all the Sinclair stations, 190 stations. And this is, is some vision of a national news network called the National Desk. It's from Sinclair. So you gotta wonder about its political stance. It, you know, the, the thing I think that'll be helpful about it is they launch with a large platform of stations all over the country. They create inventory. You know, they've proven that uh, as long as it's TV, there's the ability to sell it. It may not be for much, but they can sell that, that inventory. And, and my question is to you is, is anybody going to watch it? And does anybody care at this point? Well, I don't know about the caring part. But I think, yes, people will watch it. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get an audience. I think it's a very efficient way for them to get an audience for a, a morning news block. Um, I think it's, what, 6 to 9 Eastern. What I read was that they're, they're only clearing it on their CW and my network affiliates. That's correct. That's so correct. If, 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 this is, if they have a CBS affiliate, they're going to carry the CBS morning news. Um, and so this is, this, is a, this is great content for those, those other station affiliations that they own that don't have a news position typically in a market and could never afford to create a news department, let alone a news division and, a, you know, and a news image and a, and a news number. So this, I think, I think makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, it, we're finally seeing enough aggregation on the TV side where these big groups can do something like this. And I think, I think it makes, I think it's a, a pretty good business move. The question though becomes, <laughs> You know, there's not a lot of room for morning news anymore. And you've got in most markets, at least four stations, the four major networks competing. And then occasionally, like in L.A., you've got KTLA, which is really a 24 hour news operation for the most part. So you add C-Dub. Now you're competing with your own station. And I think in most markets, Sinclair's either got a C-Dub or a MyTV network affiliate so they can stick it in. But now you're competing with your own morning block. I mean, how much sense does that make? Hey, you, you know, you got the same sales staff. They're probably selling the same, you know, the same stations. They're just selling a better combo. 
you know, and there's our news buy in the morning. So not only are you getting the CBS morning news, plus the local tip breakaways, and you're getting my, uh, my national desk over on, you know, channel on the, my network or on the CW station. So yeah, I got more to sell. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe that, that, that makes some sense on a, on a local buying level. You know, I think Sinclair, you know, is thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, we've got, we've got, We've got a lot more stations than CBS has and a lot more stations than ABC has. These, those, are, those are very small station groups, but they've got big networks. So they're going, well, why, why don't we do our own network? CBS did a network. Why can't we do a network? And, and I think that they now have the, the number of stations, you know, they've got wherewithal to be able to, you know, clear it, and make, make, maybe make some money on it. Well, and they repurpose a lot of content from their existing stations. You know, they're, they're going to lean on all the existing stations to repurpose content. Okay. Jingle out for me. And then you can explain the last or the Australian background <laughs> that you're using. My jingle out is a podcast recommendation. It just is an absolutely fascinating story. It's the story of Netflix, and it's done by the people at Vox. And Vox has one other real popular podcast called Pivot. But this is an eight-part series on the story of Netflix, and it's really interesting. And there's so many things about Netflix that you kind of forgot, or when they were happening, you didn't have the perspective, like their battle with Blockbuster and how basically they put Blockbuster out of business. And you know they'll they'll remind you of what Vongle was. I don't know what the hell that is, but Vongle was uh, a service that Blockbuster started. It's a real interesting series. So it's called. It's called uh, Land of Giants, and you can find it anywhere you get a podcast. It's it's my jingle out for today. Keith, what's yours on Media Insultants? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I, t- today, well, we're recording this on January 25th, but as dawn arrives in Sydney in a couple hours, it'll be uh, January 26th, which is Australia Day. Now, Australia Day is is the day that... It uh, wasn't the day they were discovered. Captain Cook discovered that, you know, a, a decade or two prior to Australia Day. But Australia Day is the day that they, uh, that the, the ships from England dumped off the first set of prisoners at the base of what is now the Sydney Harbor Bridge, and they call the area the Rocks. So they found the, a, a good spot to, to dump all these guys off the ship guys and gals, and they formed the penal colony that was the historical founding of Australia. I guess I wish good day to uh, my, Aussie, uh, my Aussie mates and some happy Australia Day. This is the shot of Sydney Harbor with the famous opera house and the Harbor, Sydney Harbor Bridge. Beautiful day in, uh, in down under. So anyway, Beautiful. if you've all been, you know, enjoy. But I just couldn't, I had to recognize my Aussie mates and, uh, and wish them all a happy Australia Day. Well, I would like to just remind people quickly that uh, we still are distributing this not only on YouTube, but now got a podcast and you can find that uh, really Apple is the best place to find it. Just your Apple podcast. Just look up Media Insultant. And in case you don't want to look at us, which I can certainly understand your, your feeling, if that's the case, it's available in audio on podcast on TuneIn and Spotify too. So be sure to pick up and uh, subscribe. I, we don't care if you ever listen again, just subscribe because we like the numbers. It makes us feel a lot better, you know, when, yeah. when, when more people subscribe. And, and we subscribe. won't, and we're not, uh, we're not filing chapter 11 this week. We promise you. No, so not, we'll be back next week. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, Keith, go have a good week and uh, good day to you. <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs>